Hi, I'm Benjamin Britworth. As a special bonus episode to round out season one of the show, Joelle David of alistaletic.com has kindly shared a discussion group that I was a part of earlier this month. In the discussion, we explore how marginalised narratives can be read through art and engage with some tricky topics surrounding what value art has to society. If you enjoy listening, please hit that subscribe button. I look forward to bringing you season two soon. Welcome back to another episode in our series of Art for Good. Um, today we will be talking about how art can be used as a powerful tool for social good because of its potential to give voice to unspoken narratives. We talk about how art can open our eyes to diverse perspectives and so build greater empathy and inclusivity. And to borrow a quote from Adam Smith, art helps us bring home the other. It makes the unseen lives of the fellow human being become our own. And in today's conversation, we explore issues surrounding artistic representation, inclusivity, and the voicing of marginalized narratives. So I'm your host, Joelle David, and I run my family's art gallery, as you can see um, from these paintings behind me. And we also run a fashion line, Aesthetic, which has recently launched an inclusive fashion project where we've been working with special needs artists to showcase their artwork on our apparel whilst returning 100% of the profit to these artists. Um, with me, I have Benjamin Britworth, an award-winning filmmaker, writer and designer who is well-versed in the topic of theatre as a means of social good in regards to theatre with disabilities, prisons and the homeless. And we also have dramaturg, writer and academic Nenka Overbake, who has spent many years working alongside immigrants with refugee stories. Finally, we've got Pip Tofori, who has researched on poetry as a medium by which marginalised young males negotiate their identity. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. Um, so good to see you all. And um, to start us off, could you share a little bit about your own experiences of how art might be used for social good? So I did, I've, you know, I've worked in a variety of different um, areas of theatre as performative social, uh, sort of, uh, performative social good and also in um film as well so I've, I've worked across the the sort of field in this um i studied it at um university for my first degree i looked at how um performance can um enhance people's lives uh <clears throat> or help people engage with themselves in a way that they hadn't necessarily looked at before so how for example um theater can um, be an empowering tool for someone, say, who uh, has uh, hearing problems. Um, so if you if you ever looked at somewhere like the Stratford Circus Theatre, they specifically, for example, um, do deal with that. So all of their performances are signed and all of their performances are um, specifically for audiences that have um, hearing sort of disabilities. Um, so they, they'll sign it, they'll do... Um, uh, text on the screens at the back of the stage and they will um, often have uh, deaf performers or other you know other elements like that um, 
so that that's just one example there's there's lots of different versions of that and it's it's about how people can be brought into the discussion and also how people can express themselves great thank you um how about you Nika? well what i've tried to do in the projects that i've been involved with was use my own artistic skill to help others express themselves which didn't always mean that what we made was art or that it was sold as an art performance but more that I was involved and asked for the skills that I have as a writer and a dramaturg to um, either be in a certain type of conversation with people, with a with a format, with a, a specific format to it. Um, or I would be in kind of a workshop situation where we would be um, writing and expressing stuff together. Um, and what I've also done is um, I've spoken to individual people who have been, uh, they expressed that they wanted help with telling their own story because they were asked to do so somewhere on a stage or in a certain context. And um, they wanted my sort of skill in storytelling uh, to help them express themselves. So I think you could call what I do more of uh, using the tools that I have as an artist for others. And then it's not really about my own art, but it's more like, yeah, being being sort of uh, assisting to uh, to others. Um, and yourself, Um Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so what I've done in my research was it I was looking at um, kind of how radicalized people or um, people who are sort of in extremist groups actually wrote poetry to express their experiences and feelings and I think for me it's a little bit different from sort of um, social work to to help people who are um, in marginalized groups you through art it's more about my research was more about how you can use art to help you understand the other. Um, someone who, um, for, I think with extremism, it's very much an us and them experience where, um, for example, an extremist would, would look upon those who are not extremists as wrong and other. Whereas the same thing is happening from from people who are not extremists as they look onto extremists. They call them extremists. That is the definition of extremist. Um, but actually through reading their poems, you start to see that actually they're people, they're, they're just human beings with, with human experiences and emotions. And um, it's the same with some of the art too. It's very, it helps you to see that actually they're just a human like you and potentially that or they must have gone through very, very different experiences um, and been like different education, different, their mind is shaped differently with their experiences. But actually for me, art and poetry has become a sort of medium of understanding the other person's humanity. And actually for me, that's what kind of marginalization is all about. It's about creating an other, that's someone who is different from you but art just bridges that because you see that they are just like you in, in many, many ways. I think this is an interesting thing about this whole term marginalization, right? It's It comes from a, spe from a specific perspective. There is always someone who's, who's decided that a certain group is marginalized or 
uh, a marginalization has happened and then others started to talk about it. I am not sure if people who are put in this box ever call themselves marginalized. You know, that's that's the this is a difficult thing with this concept. It comes from a certain position of agency when it's when it's put on others. When I say I've worked with these people and I'm now talking about them in a conversation that is that is centered around marginalization, these people might, if they hear it, go, I never thought that you was were working with me because you thought I was marginalized. I thought you were working with me because you were interested in me or because I thought you were a nice person. You know, this is why these mm -hmm. terms can become tricky if you if you are starting to look at this as if it is it is a bit problematic if 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 people coming from a from a higher level of power start to wo work with others as if they are a certain target group I think it's it's interesting the difference between the the individual interface between a person and another person, one being marginalized, one being having more power. Um, but because I, I think that the goal of all of the rhetoric and all of the, the sort of social mobility conversation, all of the marginalization conversation and the institutional work that you were saying all of this art for social good these kind of more institutional movement towards funding marginalized people i think that its essential goal is to make in the future the interface between individuals equal but that's currently not the case because it's kind of like how i see it is it's a bit like like the feminist movement like how it actually has shaped the way that women are seen within our society, given that comparing now to 100 years ago, it's so much better. Um, again, obviously work to be done, but I'm hoping that that is the kind of work that the current institutions are doing, even though it is so like full of problems and often leads to like overly political correctness and this weird thing where you have to be marginalized to to get the funding which and and kind of quotas of of it's all very controversial but quotas of people on on boards like have you got enough women have you got enough people from marginal like marginal backgrounds it seems problematic now but i do see its future goal and i do hope that the outcome of it will be in 100 years time that no one will even think about it just like what you were saying, Ninka, is that like you actually engage with those people because you actually just like them and you you are friends <laughs> and you, you, you want to help them. You've got a skill. They want your help. It's, it's not particularly because they're marginalized. No, I was going to say it's to do with trajectories, isn't it? It's where where do we want to be? Um, sort of concepts of equality. So I mean, my my community, the the gay community, they you know they have travelled the same as I think sort of like the. Um, uh, the feminist community, or well, women, women in general, um, and um, so like the black community, um, and it's it's trying to almost you take the negative stereotype to begin with, 
you build an identity around it, turn it into a positive, um, and then out of that positive, you, you what you're aiming for is to create a, a nothing effectively. What you're trying to do, the final role is to eradicate that um, that box. I mean, we're at a very strange, yeah. I think we're at a very strange crossroads at the moment because um, at least from my experience and within the gay community, everyone is very, very heavily defining themselves by boxes. It's, it's become to the point that everyone's got, I'm wearing this badge and this badge and this badge and this badge. You know, everyone has like seven different definitions. And I find it really confusing myself because at the end of the day, I, I don't really define as anything. Like, you know, someone come up to me, they go, are you a cis something, something, this and this? And I'm like, what? I, I don't even understand it anymore myself. That's that's the bizarre thing. Um, and then of course you, you become, um, what's it called, uh, ignorant because you can't keep up with the changes. But, and for me, I mean, the end goal is you just stop defining things by boxes. I, I actually, um, you'll have to tell me Ninka, but I've heard from friends in France that there is less, so in, in the UK, it's very often, um, from from my experience, I think I've found in the UK, a lot of people will put a pin on someone. They'll go, they are, you know, I, I think it's the case with um, with all community, uh, all marginalized communities at the moment. And I say marginalized with inverted commas because as we've been saying, these definitions are kind of fluid, but um, the, they'll put a pin on someone first and that will be their, their primary definition. So they'll be like, oh, this is, you know, Ben, he is gay and he represents this thing. And this is his personality afterwards. This is who he is. Whereas yeah. one of my friends in France, she said, no one really cares about that. That's that's kind of secondary. Ben, what is yeah. what is interesting, though, I think what is interesting about this, what you're just raising is that, first of all, I think it's very true that um, our experience is that if people come here, they are they are boxed as refugees and people are never refugees or at least a, being a refugee is not an identity like a thing in itself. You're a person who used to have a job and a family and a life. Mm. in your home country and you had to flee uh, because of unfortunate conditions and then you come over here and you're trying to build another life and part of your life has been this experience of having to flee and this is why they call you a refugee but this is problematic because people become boxed as one thing and there are all kinds of stigmas attached and the other thing is and I, I think that's very interesting when you're coming up with the gay discussion um the gay community has emancipated itself. So gay people have decided to call themselves gay, make it a, a, a sort of mm. like a badge of honor. And, 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 and uh, the problem here is that we are talking about another group. We are not part of that group. So if there is, part, if there is a situation of emancipation that should come from themselves and there is no position for me or uh, I will talk for myself there is no position for me in that discussion I cannot uh, I cannot create terms or I cannot but the thing that I think motivates me to do what I'm doing is that it should be possible to make space for people so that they can do that themselves and if you are in a position of a certain amount of power I think my power is quite limited in terms of 
influence, but I do have quite a privileged position in at least this part of society. So I have certain access to certain people who do have a platform or who do have um, have a voice. Is to is to give that place to them, to others, mm. them not being precious, being defined. I think that's I think that's where the the emancipation question is that's where that question is 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 in trouble if we try to emancipate other people because <clears throat> we are not part of their um, story see this is where this is where i think we get it gets really confusing in um production of art as well now um because uh we're we're coming to a point where we're saying to people you can't talk about this because you're not of this community um, and I mean this this um, if you remember we a long while ago looked at some um, uh, pieces together we looked at uh, what's it called uh, book called what is the what by Dave Dave Eggers Dave Eggers yeah. and another one which is um, the spirit catches you and you fall down mm. which I think both of those both of those deal with um, that they deal there's a there's an article read a long while ago called as well called can the subaltern speak and what that's basically saying is can people from mar marginalized communities talk for themselves or do they need someone to talk for them i think there's there's a multitude of different things going on here because i think there's on one level um exactly what you just said people need to talk for themselves they they don't need someone to talk for them that's completely true on a second level I think there is a potentially a transitionary period where people cannot talk for themselves and I actually think this is um this is why for example uh if you look back at um I'm gonna tie it to the gay community because I you know because we're talking about marginalized voices and who has a right to talk about things I think people will who are potentially listening to this will understand more if I'm talking about my own community than if I'm trying to discuss feminism or something like that um but I mean, you know, um, but say in that particular case, um, in the UK at least, the shift towards acceptance within the community didn't necessarily start with the community itself. It started with um, other people around the community discussing it and it ended up coming to the, um, to the government before. So we all will take Stonewall as a, as a tipping point that took place in America. That that was a very different form of emancipation than what took place in the UK. What happened here was it was very quietly discussed in the back rooms at, in Whitehall, and people actually went, "Who actually cares? You know, it's nothing really to do with us. What the gay community does? Why do we care? Fine, we'll change the law." That's, you know, in a nutshell. Obviously, a lot more of a compli complicated, complex discussion took place, but you know, that's what happened. And then then the community was given almost a, a space in which they could talk because prior to that you couldn't even talk about being gay you could you know section 28 all of that i mean there, there was a whole variety of different things that happened over time but um you couldn't even discuss it then then it, the law changed on it allowed it to become not 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 illegal but sort of you could enter the dialogue 
and then there was that space that opened up. Ben, I think I think the point you're making is very good. You are saying basically before we are in the face of emancipation, before a group can speak for themselves, usually you need a certain phase of translation. So you need people who step mm. into the in the into the position of I think I get a bit of you and I get think I get a bit of you. I understand it mm. getting in terms of understanding. And maybe I can be the person who sort of translates between these worlds. So mm. there is a certain space opening up. And I think that is a very important mark to make because if you constantly speak in that group is not part of us yet and we are apparently us and now we have a problem, then this group who can serve as glue, <laughs> can serve <laughs> as a translation phase, that group does never have a name or becomes point of attack because they are uh, sort of traitors to both sides because they aren't completely part of one and not completely part of another. We are also in this position at the moment where we're saying no one can talk about anyone else's you know, points. And again, going back to the, the gay culture discussion, there's a really big argument going on in cinema at the moment that straight actors can't play gay characters. And see, I find that to be a massive issue um, on multiple levels. And I completely understand the argument that's going on um, in the sense that I don't understand it. And I understand that I don't understand it and all of that kind of thing um, in that the, there is there is for me a space for straight actors to play gay parts it's a performance that they're doing in in fiction what you're for me what we're doing is creating a fake is creating a world it's it's a reflection going you know going back to the uh, fun plato um it's it's a reflection of a reflection because it's it's like shadow puppets on a cave wall is basically what I remember. It's this reflection of a reflection. We're looking not at um, not at the thing itself, but at a play of it. And for me, that's also what art can be. And if we start saying we have no right to this person has no right to read it through this particular lens, mm. then what we're doing is we're all that work to try and open up these discussions we're basically shutting down again because we're we're pushing people towards what are essentially radicalized views because we're saying you have no right to view this thing through this perspective or try and view it or even like think about trying to view it mm -hmm. and so I, this is this is where it becomes really complex for me because there's also for me a valid position to say in this very minute you know context of our our time at the moment um gay actors for example are struggling to um perform straight roles because they are not considered um castable in these roles and so for me what the crux of this argument really should be is and and i think it's a really specific argument for a very specific time in history the crux should be um straight actors can't play gay roles until gay actors can play straight roles. That, that for me, is the de definition of this argument. And for me, it can't, be, um, it can't be expanded further than that. The second you start 
leaving you, you start generalizing it further than that then what we get into this is that that danger of radicalization and shutting people out of discussion and i think once we've got over that once um is not considered an issue for a gay actor to play a straight role it shouldn't be considered an issue for a straight actor to play uh yeah straight actor to play a gay role it's kind of like a dual process that we are going through which is one is the like the perceptions like trying to shape and reshape the perception of those who are in power to simplify it i'm going to talk about people in power and not in power so yeah, one thing is reshaping the perceptions of those in power about those not in power. But what the other is emancipating or empowering those who are not in power. Um, and both things need to happen. And like you were saying, Ben, you know, sometimes people not in power actually need that that help to be, they, they need to be spoken for before they can speak because no one's giving them a voice in the institution. Mm. And I think it's interesting, like, the role of institutions versus individuals in this kind of playoff. Because as soon as you, because basically both need to happen. So like, like language, you know, the language of refugee, even being a word creates a label. I think we looked at it a while ago in, um, in the context of pre-developing and post societies, but in the developing concept, it's only that that area that has issues with language because they're developing those institutional languages which you're talking about Pip. In the pre-developed very often no one cares but you still have the lack of language so you can have problems because you haven't discussed any of these things and it's only once you get to post-developed post -developed, that you've developed these languages and no one cares anymore because you can have these discussions openly. And I think we're, we are collectively as a species in the, the developing section at the moment in that we're, we're having a massive like head explosion about the language itself because we, we have come to the point of understanding the fact that we have, a, we have these communities that are also just humans as well, but also we need to define them in order to be able to be all right with them mm. if any of that makes sense in yeah, order to, does. to cast off yes. the discussion yeah it does yeah. it's also it's i thought of language before when we were talking here because part of it is just finding a right language to speak and it's also about basically very simply put new people coming to the group who speak a different language literally in this case but usually also uh, even if they all speak the same language a different language from the fact that they come from a different context and have different ways of naming things or maybe they don't name certain things and they do name other things and this is how we so the language um the language is very important I think the question we've been trying to, to, to get to here is how to shift power levels. Mm. And, and apparently language is the, is the battleground. Some really big questions, you know, we've touched on. on yeah. <laughs> who, who even gets yeah. to define what's right and who gets to define the law, who gets to define what is the standard language? I think we mentioned just now about, you know, um, Spivak's can the subaltern speak? And, I was going to say a little about post-colonial writers trying to reclaim the language and say that there is not one 
particular age, but you know, that's probably a whole other discussion for um, <laughs> another day. And I guess it, it does tie back into the idea of, you know, who gets to define what is art and what is good art, and maybe kind of what we were saying before about who who is the center and who is marginalized, and maybe maybe art does have some sort of potential in breaking down those boundaries between what is the center and what is marginalized, and hopefully, you know, um, hopefully mm. moving forward by by having these conversations. And I'm afraid, you know, I love to be so much we've been talking about, and I'd so love to have a follow up conversation. And um, I do have to wrap up in the interest of time. Do we have any final um, thoughts that you'd like to share just just before we wrap up? One. There's one thought. I think to tie it out together a little bit, we've gone very far into all kinds of fields of questions about law and language and power and these kinds of things. It's also our interest of studies, so it's, it makes sense. I think what is interesting about art is that it always um, has the potential to create a space to reconsider these things to reconsider all these different levels of power, to reconsider what language is and what it looks like. And that's why it can be a, it can be a, a space in which these things can be redefined or can potentially be redefined. Um, so if you want to say something about art for good, I'm not sure we won't know what is exactly art and what actually is good, but we, we can say something about art can create a space to reconsider the the languages that we are having currently in our world so that we have a space to open this up again i think that's mm-hmm. that makes that makes sense in the, yeah. it's it allows the dialogues to take place thank you so much everyone it's been so lovely to have you and um, thank you so much for all your lovely insights